Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This is Weekend Perspective. I'm Kitty Dunn, and there are so many great organizations working behind the scenes to help out in our community. And today we're going to find out about one of them. It's called RISE, Helping Community and Family Thrive. And Executive Director Scott Strong from RISE is joining us today. Thanks for taking some time out. Oh, you're welcome, Kitty. Nice to nice to be here. Thank All you. right. Uh, so, Rise is got a lot of arms, a lot of things that you're doing to help folks that are uh, struggling. And during the pandemic, you had some uh, unique situations to try to deal with. But uh, first of all, uh, Rise is an organization that started out as a couple of other organizations, and then you combined. That's correct. Back in 2017, we completed a merger between Center for Families and Community Partnerships. Um, there was two organizations that have been well-rooted in the community, and we had lots of synergies and decided it was time for the two of us to come together. Were they two organizations doing the same thing and you decided to come together, or were they two organizations doing different things to help people? You know, there were two organizations doing... Um, complementary things. So um, the, we, the one overlap was we both, both organizations were providing early childhood home visiting services, um, but there's, but not in competition. There's a, plenty of a need in the community for home visiting and early childhood work that we still continue those programs today, but we combined um, the community partnerships focused a lot on mental health, community-based mental health services for children and families, um, so we really were able to combine both the mental health component of our work and the early childhood development component of our work. So they were, again, complementary services. Talking with Scott Strong of RISE. So maybe let's go through some of the different things that you do to help people. And you said early childhood, helping parents figure out uh, this whole parenthood thing is part of what you do? Yes, we uh, have uh, three programs that are working specifically with early childhood, either ch- early childhood development or early childhood literacy. 
And yes, so we work with families who, um, typically young, young parents, who may have had a, a history of trauma or mental health concerns themselves. Um, and so we're really helping them to identify and understand um, their, their um, infant's development uh, and milestones and really work on that parent-child attachment because we know that attachment happens early on. The success for the children uh, later on in life is, is much greater. So we really are focusing on that early childhood development piece and really working on that parent-child relationship. And how early does that start? Does it start while they're still expecting or, or at what point do you come in and try to uh, help develop those relationships? Early on. So in utero, we, our programs can take families who are pregnant. Um, and so we work on making sure they're getting the healthy baby checkups, getting the mom's health um, taken care of so their, their child um, comes into this world healthy um, so, and we work with them until about 4K or 5, or kindergarten is roughly the age, depending upon um, the needs of the family. So are these uh, parents, people who maybe didn't have the most nurturing relationship themselves when they were growing up, so they didn't really see a good example of what it's like to be a parent? Yeah, some, yes. They, uh, they may not have, they may have had young parents themselves. Um, and so when you are parented by uh uh, a, a young parent who hasn't had the kind of a coaching or modeling of how to really look at childhood development um, who, who, or who has also struggled with um, trauma in their lives, being able to give back to their child in a, in a nurturing uh, parental way isn't always um, easy to happen. So, um, yes, we see some patterns and generational patterns of trauma that um, we are disrupting so the children can, the kind of the next generation of children can can have a uh, kind of a better start to life. So what are some of the, the types of things that uh, you're helping the parents with or, or what kind of tools do you use to help th- them develop those relationships? So we take a very um, kind of holistic approach. So it's really everything from the parental health and the child's health and mental health to um, kind of helping them with getting connected to further edu- further in their education, could be getting their GED or HSED, could be getting them into some college courses, working on education. Housing is always a big thing, making sure that parents and families have stable housing, um, addressing um, food security challenges families might be having. So a lot of the families um, are at or are living below the poverty level. So it's a very comprehensive approach that we're helping them with. And then through our programming, we are addressing the mental health challenges that the parents are experiencing. We see a lot of maternal depression and anxiety, especially postpartum depression. So with our services and connections to community, other community resources, we're helping reduce the um, symptoms of both depression and anxiety with the, with the moms, which made them more available to their children. We're talking with Scott Strong, the executive director of RISE, and some of the things with uh, the early childhood intervention, it reminds me a little bit of Head Start because they go out into people's homes. It's not called that. It's called Reach, I think now, Reach Dane. But how does it compare with that organization or do you work with them at all? We do actually. Reach Dane provides very similar services. Uh, there's a uh, on the north side of Madison, the north side early childhood zone. We are partners with Reach Dane. Um, they are providing early childhood home visiting to families in that in that area, as as are we in, in two of our early childhood programs. And Reach Dane certainly goes a bit further with their 
um, head, early Head Start programs and center-based services. But we are providing some very similar services, and they're a good partner of ours in the community. So let's talk a little bit about the mental health services that you provide. How do people find out about you? And then what kind of services are you providing? Because I know that that's an area that is so underserved all across the country. Everybody says we need more mental health services and people need access to it. So how does your program work? Yeah, and actually through this past year, we've actually seen a, a, an uptick in uh, mental health symptoms. So more, all of our programs are community-based. So we are actually in the community. Um, could be in a home, in the school, um, wherever children and young adults are at. So we are uh, providing both kind of, kind of care coordination. So one of our largest programs is a wraparound program. Essentially what we do is we the referrals come from, it could come from Dane County Human Services, from pediatricians, from psychologists. Uh, social workers, parents themselves make referrals to us. So anywhere um, in the community that hear about our services and the child meets the criteria, they can make a referral to us. All of our services are uh, voluntary. So parents um, voluntarily come to us, voluntarily come to us seeking services. And what we try to do is the children that come to us that are at high risk of being placed in a psychiatric hospital or a residential treatment center or juvenile corrections, we are providing services in the community that we wrap around them to keep them at home in, in the community and in lieu of one of those institutional placements. And so we're connecting children to ongoing psychiatry and therapy. Um, we're also taking a very strength-based approach. So we look at the assets the children come to us with. So if they're interested in music or art or sports or poetry, whatever, we are connecting them connecting them to those resources so they can build off what they get excited about, what energizes them, instead of looking at what is going wrong. So we work with um, many uh, children, adolescents, and families in those programs trying to help, help stabilize them so they can actually participate um, effectively at school, at home, and in the community and those pro- other programs that they're participating in. We're talking with Scott Strong of RISE, and when it comes to kids' mental health, I can't imagine that uh, virtual education and being away from school was very helpful. Are you seeing uh, a lot of impact of that, and and what are you doing to help when it comes to uh, kids' mental health not being able to go to school for so long? Yeah, many of the children that we work with are feeling more isolated um, and not able to kind of connect with their peers. So what we've seen, unfortunately, we get a lot of referrals from schools um, for our, our programming. And because the children are not in school, um, they're not coming to the attention of the school social workers or teachers or guidance counselors. And so we've seen actually a decrease in referrals into some of our programs because of that. So we've done a, a lot of outreach recently and throughout the pandemic to make sure that people are aware that we're here to support those children. And we're seeing a, a, a nice uptick right now in terms of referrals because the, the kids have been isolated and, and are feeling um, stressed because they are not kind of doing normal everyday activities that they've been doing prior to the pandemic. So so while the pandemic has been going on, and has everything just been like on the telephone and over Zoom that you're helping people, or how has that been working? Yeah, um, it, we made a pretty quick shift back in March of 2020, and so we have we use Zoom. Sometimes it's it, uh, um, 
FaceTime, it could be through Microsoft Teams, phone calls, whatever works for the family. And in some ways, that's actually uh, some families and some children have actually liked that because they don't have to get in their car or on a bus to get to an appointment. And so we've we've seen some early engagement early on in the pandemic with that. And then I think people are getting a bit fatigued with all of that, too. So then we've seen a little bit of a drop off. But, yeah, we are doing everything virtual. And we are also meeting people in the community with masks and safe distancing. So for during the nice days, if we can go to a park or take a walk, our staff are meeting with families and children um, in the community as well. And so, and we've also had some space set in our building, if need be, where they can come in with kind of the safety protocols to be seen in person. So do you think there might be like a hybrid maybe in the future that you've learned that some uh, that it works better for some families to not do the in-person and having to come into an office and meet someone face to face? Absolutely. Yeah, we're looking at that right now. I, I really do think that uh, we, we always come from a, a, the, the child and family approach. So whatever works best for them is what we'll do. So if they really say, you know, I like this, we'll continue doing that. Um, and we've seen some of the funders like Medicaid has done a nice job of shifting to paying for um, telehealth for behavioral health services. And we expect that to continue. So, yes, we will definitely do a, a hybrid model going forward um, as long as it meets the needs of the child and family. We're talking with Scott Strong of the of RISE. He's the executive director. Helping community and family thrive is their slogan. And one of the things you have that we haven't touched on yet is the Respite Center. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's that's a gem. So the Respite Center has been around for over 40 years, and um, that serves children ages 0 to 14 years old. Um, and it's available to parents, you know, if they're feeling so. When, when we ask parents what they need, respite is typically one of the, the number one or number two service that they're saying they need. Oftentimes, the families we work with are feeling isolated. They may not have natural supports like family or friends that can care for their children. Um, and so if they need um, a break because things are getting stressed at home, they can use the respite center. So, And they can use it for a couple hours a day or a couple um, nights in a row. So we do, we're licensed both as a, a child care center as well as a group home. So we can have overnight stays with children. We also use it um, if, a, if there's a child abuse or neglect challenge and either the police, the Dane County Human Services gets involved and they want to avoid a foster care placement, they can use the respite center as a kind of a cooling down place to, while they figure out the disposition of what needs to happen next. And so when it was first set up, it was really to prevent child abuse and neglect and foster care referrals, and we still see a fair amount of that today. But we're also able to take children when parents are, whether they have their own medical appointments or are, are seeking a job or education, parents come to the respite center and use it for um, just as a nice resource for them. It's a beautiful place, and it's a, it's a great gem for the community. And is that something that is operating, it's up and running right as we speak? It has not stopped through the pandemic. So they had a, as soon as the pandemic hit, they had a bit of a slowdown, adjusted a lot of their um, protocols, and kept it open for emergencies. And so they're still meeting um, the needs of children and families today and have just expanded their hours. And um, we went from serving emergencies and crises only um, early on the pandemic, pandemic to now we're doing planned respite for families. 
And during the pandemic, not only were we um, providing the in-person respite, but our staff were reaching out to the families who used it quite a bit. And we delivered care packages to families, which had books or toys and some food in it, just to keep families engaged. And some of our staff would actually call children, and they would spend an hour on the phone and providing that phone respite while the parent was doing some taking care of some other needs that they had in their house. So it's been, they've really done a great job of adjusting and still serving children. How can people get involved? I'm sure you accept donations, but is volunteering something that can happen right now? Yeah, so we've had a bit of a a slowdown in our volunteering because because of the pandemic. But yes, the Respite Center has has a lot of volunteers. We rely on volunteers um, with our early childhood programs, you know, there's always, you know, supplies that are coming in for that we deliver to families. And so we've had volunteers help with all that. And so I think we're starting to open that back up again. So yes, to volunteer, they can just get a hold of us, um, risewisconsin.org. We do accept donations. Um, that's one of the things that kind of keeps our respite center doors open is, is through donations. So we really need that. Um, and we're actually going through a capital campaign because we're redoing our space right now. So donations are extremely welcome. And if people are, if they hear about this through this interview and they know someone that might benefit from your services, what's the best way for folks to get hooked up with you? Um, probably just calling directly. Um, we have a referral person that can um, take phone call or take uh, referrals and, and um Sierra will help guide them through the process of what suits their needs best. Um, 250-6634 is the phone number. Um, info at risewisconsin.org is an email address they can use. Um, and all this, again, is available at our website at www.risewisconsin.org. Scott Strong with RISE, helping community and family thrive. Thanks so much for taking some time with us today. And thank you for listening for Weekend Perspective. I'm Kitty Dunn.